Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Refold Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton, also known as George Pig, and this week we have a very special guest, Afro, aka Novian Cobb, our very first Esperantist. Join us as we talk all about learning a constructed language and how it compares to learning a natural language, like Spanish. All right, and I am here with Novian, aka Afro. It's good to have you on. Do you want to do a brief introduction? Sure. So, what's up, everybody? My name is uh, Novian slash Afro, aka Afro. Um, I have a YouTube channel. I'm not a YouTuber, but I have a YouTube channel where I make updates on like my Spanish journey and things like that. Um, the Spanish is the current language I'm learning now. I started actually with Esperanto for two and a half years to three years and then went to Spanish and I've been learning Spanish currently for three years. Is that, is that good? That is good. I didn't know that you'd been at Spanish for three years. So you've got five yeah. years under your belt. Literally Total. me. I think I've started like a month and a half after Briz or something like that. I okay, some, somewhere was there from the, the get go. Yeah. Like she invited me into the server before it was like the actual refold server. Like the back when it, it was, was an like unofficial a, server. Like a, yeah, it was like a little 20. It was only like 20 people in there. It was like me, um, Ethan, Briz, and like maybe like six six to 10 other people, you know. And then it was like, hey, you know, you guys want to, you mind if we make this into a refill server? Like, yeah, cool. And next thing you know, it just blew up to like, like hundreds of people in like a couple of days. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, you, you've been refolding for like before refold was a thing. Yeah, I was an OG. See, I was one of the OGs where I had to like decipher, like I had to like listen to what Matt was saying about Japanese and translate and, it into Spanish. To, like, okay, how does this apply to me learning Spanish? Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I was one of those. You know, we didn't have back in my day. We didn't have one Ks and two Ks and ten. What what you call it? Nah, we had rocks <laughs> and chisels. Oh, uh. Uphill both ways in the snow and 150 degree weather type story. Uh -huh. So you used to, so I, I don't know where to start. There's so much I want to talk about. I really want to keep you talking about Esperanto. Mm -hmm. um, but also most recently you put out a new video where you mm -hmm. talked about your hours. So what's your new milestone? I want to get to 1500 by the end of this year. At that point, I'm probably not going to keep track of my hours anymore because it's kind of pointless once you get, I feel like once you get to like a thousand hours, it's kind of pointless to be honest. You're pretty um, meticulous with your hours actually. I I am. Well, cause okay. So when I first started, I was like, I want to start Spanish and I want to give like a row. I wanted to give people data, like add to data points. I figured if like a hundred of us all did the same thing, tracked hours and you know, for, for the most part. And then, People can look at that and say, okay, how long will it take me to learn a language? Because to me, like, yeah, a thousand hours is a lot, but a thousand hours is way better than just like this nebulous kind of like, eventually you'll get there when, you know, like, I'm like, all right, a thousand hours really. So when you tell somebody like, oh, well, it's 15 minutes a day is good. Well, you say, well, if you need a thousand hours to get to a very fluent level or a fairly fluent level, is it good for you? Is that, is 20 years a good time span for you? If it is cool, if it's not, Okay, maybe you need to, you know, it's, it's more, it's more concrete, it's more tangible than as opposed to just, you know, the very holistic, like, we'll get there, you know, once the lead, the autumn leaves turn brown and, you know, and just, I don't know. 
But so that's the reason why I kind of did it originally. But I also want to do it for myself because when I learned, when I was learning Esperanto, like I got two and a half years in, like I was very, like I was very, very fluent, like very comfortable. And I kind of, the beginning days felt very blurry to me. And I'm like, man, you know, so I kind of miss, I, well, okay, I don't, I don't miss sucking, but I miss like just those days when I would have like be, my brain would be racked. And I, I just, I didn't like how blurry it felt. So I wanted to give, now when I would get Spanish, I wanted to give more clarity to how my process was. And so I can, like, I literally did this like, like a couple of months ago, just pulled the very first video up and I'm sitting there just like struggling to understand, you know, like, you know, basic, like, comics or something like that and oh okay yeah you know it's kind of giving me clarity in that part so your most recent milestone was 1200 hours right yes correct okay so your next milestone is 1500 mm -hmm. out of all of those milestones with spanish which would you say is like your biggest uh i don't know the most impressive one like which one do you feel like was the most wow or you had like a eureka moment or something funny enough 500 500 hours why yeah. that well because when i was when i was young and ignorant so like two months ago um or not when i first started uh i was like all right so i'm gonna start this spanish thing and i'm gonna keep track of my hours and i'm like okay and i'm still in esperanto mode where like after eight months in esperanto like i was fairly like i wasn't super fluent but i was like conversational pretty decently conversational very shaky in all aspects and then like a year and a half i was decently fluent um but so i was kind of under that time frame i'm like okay well i don't know how many hours that is but i'm like man if i can get to 500 hours i'm sure i'll be like a god and i'm like yeah and then you know so when i hit 500 hours of immersion it was like a very important moment now cold reality hit me like a you know a glass of water and or in a slap in the face but and i quickly realized like okay i still suck but at least hit 500 hours which i wanted to do and that's like a big thing and that's when i started like outputting or practicing output and things like that um was at 500 hours a thousand was great a thousand was cool and but i was i don't know i felt I, I in the first 500 hours i felt every 100 hours i felt like a very big leap in my ability and so now from on the back end of that, from 500 to 1,000, every 100 hours, it was just hard. It was getting harder and harder to notice. Like, it felt a little bit more nebulous. Like, oh, this little thing I noticed, I'm, I feel a little bit more comfortable. Today. Oh, yeah, this little thing. But, like, from 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, it was like, it felt like night and day almost with, like, every update in terms of, like, the jump. Also, I'm sure the Dunning-Kruger the Dunning -Kruger effect was, like, you know, was well, uh, well afoot. But, you know, you know, ignorance is bliss. You know, the, the Dunning-Kruger thing is very interesting. I was much more confident outputting mm -hmm. uh, early on in, say, Filipino than mm -hmm. I, I I was after finding Refold a few years ago because mm -hmm. I, I kind of realized how much I didn't know. Yeah. I um, mean, I think this community also kind of does it to you, too, though, because it's like... The community does. There's I was the super confident yeah. with, like, Esperanto, even though, like, I was I was making mistakes all the time, like, constantly. I was, I was terrible. But, like, I would, I would mess up with style, you know, I'm like, yeah, I messed up. Like, you messed up. Like, yeah, I know. But like with refold, it's like, oh God, everyone is so good. Oh God. Oh God. You know, or everyone's so competitive or like, like mm -hmm. very high standards. So you kind of, you start kind of shrinking a little bit like, okay, no, I gotta, 
it's, it's real easy to try to fall into that kind of trap of how because we forget this is like a niche of a niche of a niche right in terms of like because mm-hmm. i talk to like normal people that are like just learning english and i'm learning spanish I'm like no nah, man i'm like no nah, man your, your your spanish is amazing and then i talk you know repo is like yeah it's solid i'm like it's high i'm like all right cool but it's like i gotta get them you know it's, it's just it's just interesting yeah, and it's because the community does have like uh a very active subset like you said is a niche of a niche of a niche where mm-hmm. like there are some people who read a whole bunch you know yeah. like um uh you know there's one user on the spanish server hulk who has like he yeah. did a degree in spanish yeah, yeah, like, yeah actually in the language and he's got like sixty thousand words known or something and uh you know he's just very very high level so yeah. all of a sudden you're your 5,000 root words or whatever, 25,000 known words mm-hmm. ends up being, uh, makes you feel small at some, yeah. sometimes. 100%. Like, what? You can't just read the dictionary fl- fluently with, you know, only one unknown word per page? Like, get good, bro. I'm like, oh, get good. Right. Now, so right. with with Esperanto, your, your learning style was different than with Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. So um, my understanding is that Esperanto 1, being fairly regular lends itself to textbook learning mm-hmm. and two people don't know this you can't actually immersion learn esperanto there mm-hmm. are esperanto books and there's a whole bunch of original esperanto media uh, as well as translations but that's mm-hmm. not how you went about it so do you want to talk about you know how you found esperanto and what you did and how it differed from spanish so there's a lot to unpack there so first is like how did you get into esperanto that's not like a typical language it is not I will say, um, so I've always been interested in like Spanish in this regard for for a very long time, uh, even before like high school. Like I was so excited that I want to find out we got we get to take Spanish classes. Like what, you know? This is especially I live in Texas, and so there's so many Spanish speakers. The thought of there being a foreign language that I don't like, just this huge section of people that speak a foreign language that I, I just have no idea was always captivating to me. And then when I got into like actual Spanish class, it made me like hate <laughs> like learning languages, um, just because it was it was just not me. But after school, even after high school and college, I tried to learn Spanish three other times, three separate or distinct times that I that I recall, like giving it like a really good effort before you know burning out and just abandoning the whole thing altogether. But one day, or right after, right in the midst of the, my recent, most recent defeat, or the last defeat in that time, um, where it, it was insane. I was studying like three hours a day with just pure grammar, just Duolingo, and I would look up every little grammar point for like three hours a day. It was for like two months. It was insane. But I uh, stumbled upon a article by a man the that's named Benny the Irish Pod God, if anybody knows. He sometimes can be a little spicy. In three months. Yeah, flew in three months, and he never told me he didn't. He didn't, uh, you know, sing sweet nothings in my ear about being fluent in three months. But he did say how the article was how being or how learning Esperanto for two weeks can improve your Spanish, and you know, basically just it helps you understand how the grammar is. It's so regular things like that. I, I didn't really know one hundred percent what that meant, but I was like, I'll give it a try. I'll give it a shot, and. So I started trying to learn Esperanto for two weeks. And after like two weeks, two and a half weeks, I think two and a half weeks, my my ability in Esperanto was better than my ability in Spanish after like, my you know, like literally two months in of just pure like 
grammar study. Um, and after that point, I just got so addicted to the progress that I was the rapid progress I was making. I just kind of stuck with it. But then later on, I got addicted to like the actual community. Once I got actually speaking to people, like it wasn't even about um, the how quickly you can learn a language is more so about like, bro, there's a lot. Of, I got a lot of friends. This is, this is I'm chatting with people, you know, multiple times a week. We're just, you know, for hours, we're just on calls, or, you know, when I'm at work, whatever, you know, I had a very uh, laissez-faire job um, back in the gap. But it was just so I just had fun. I just fell in love with the community from that point on. Um, so, yeah. And uh, speaking of so first off, my takeaway there. Mm-hmm. is that you stumbled into Esperanto. Very, you, like, face plant, then in standing on my feet, then back to face plant, then on my feet. Yeah. Yeah, and I enjoy hearing you talk about Esperanto. It gets you very excited, and there's a lot of cool stuff in Esperanto. Uh, we, we've had a chat about this in the past, fortunately not on the podcast, about mm-hmm. some of the similarities behind the grammar of Esperanto and a Filipino mm-hmm. with the, uh, mm-hmm. the prefixes and the, the suffixes mm-hmm. and stuff. And... Uh, I enjoy having an Esperanto-speaking friend. Esperanto pops up in places you don't expect. I don't know if you remember. I I, I messaged you once on Discord about yeah, yeah, uh, Esperanto yeah. dialogue in the middle of a Filipino book. It was so it was Tagalog everywhere, and then there was mm-hmm. random dialogue. Mm-hmm. The demons in the book spoke Esperanto for whatever reason. Yeah. The in the way what? they were using the Esperanto, and that was very. It almost had like a like a holy kind of. It was kind of written in a way that was very old-fashioned i guess like esperanto but it was it was pretty but then the good part of it was like gibberish was like hey i don't know what this second part is just gibberish but i think the second part that was gibberish was filipino oh okay so that makes sense. Uh, that was yeah that was the, <laughs> the issue um, but yeah they they made the demon speak esperanto in the middle of a filipino book and uh you came in clutch and were like yeah that's esperanto mm-hmm. uh, it was something like uh, i was like me Glutus Vian Anamon or something. Yeah. Like yeah. I so follow your soul. I yeah, can't remember. Yeah. Uh, Just devouring your soul. Yeah. So with Esperanto, you took a very output heavy approach. Mm-hmm. And you, at that time you were still like in that whole like, I need to learn grammar, I need to learn vocab. Yeah. And when you finally got how did you end up eventually becoming input pilled? Essentially, where you you realized, yeah. hey, and I need to to input, I need to hear the language, I need to read the language. Because you didn't do that with Esperanto. You just went out there with a grammar book and a dream. See, the thing is, who and this is a big reason why I'm so averse to like grammar and like learner content today, because of all those times I spent literally because I'm not somebody that's like linguistically inclined. Like I, I I was always someone who's able to intuit like how to like like writing well in English and things like that. Like I I'm I'm not I was never like conscious of I didn't even know what an adverb was to for context. Like, but I you know I could like I got A's in my college you know level English or whatever whatever like because it was all just on the intuition. So to me, when I then had to learn all these grammatical things, it was literally like ramming my head against the wall just over and over with the same kind of like I had to look up. I had to just chain look up, okay, what is this grammar thing? And then they'll give me ex- a, like a wordy, jargony explanation. I had to look up every word of the jargony explanation and, and bound. Sure enough, in one of those, I got to look up the look up to the look up. And it's just like, it was just murder. So, but unfortunately, because Esperanto is so easy, that actually was still getting me somewhere. So, like, I didn't know it was something wrong. It was just, I was just kind of chugging along with it. Um, but then I, 
I stumbled upon Matt, J- Matt versus Japan about like input and the things I was already conscious of like input from um, Steve Kaufman. The thing is though, I was like, ah, Steve Kaufman, and it's you cool, man. But you just, you know, I was like twenty one or something. I'm like, ah, he's cool, but you and you know, you just an old guy. Like, I'm not worried about you. Like, this is just, you know, that's he's just old. That's why he likes that. But then, you know, so I just kind of like would shoot away, you know, like you know, like the you know, Benny, Benny, the you know, that's 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 all the way, you know. I want to be fluent, you know. But um, I then stumbled upon Matt, and he actually put some put things really into perspective and kind of got me like, okay, about input. I didn't know how to go about it 100% because everything was about Japanese, but I was like, okay, cool. So then I just started to, just over time, implement more um, input, mainly like a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of Evil Dea, who's like one of the bigger, um, in content, re- relatively bigger um, YouTubers in Esperanto. Um, and I, w- I would just find things to get me into that. I wasn't very much of a reader. The thing is, when I my whole goal with Esperanto was never like my goals with Spanish are much different. My whole goals with Esperanto was purely conversational based. Like all I want to do was talk, have fun, crack jokes, and say say nonsense basically. And so I just did. I wanted only wanted to do things to facilitate facilitate that. So even now, I would say I'm much still much more fluent in Esperanto than I am Spanish. But my reading in Spanish is much more developed and much more fluid than it is in Esperanto. Like I still read a touch slower than I do in Spanish and Esperanto just because I don't read. I've only read like one book, you know, but yeah, even though I got like 20 or 30 on my shelf, but you know. Right. So you've collected books, but you've, you've not read them, but one day, one day, I literally, every book I get, I'm just like, I will read you. It won't be today. You know, link supports Esperanto. It does. The only thing about Link, oh, so now they did the redesign, but for the longest time, I could not stand. It was so ugly. And the thing is, it was kind of hard to use, like, and it was kind of clunky. Like, I was like, all I want to do, because there's a bunch of free um, PDFs, like free unlicensed material, like books in Mm -hmm. Esperanto. All I want to do was upload the PDF into Link and then able to use that. And it was just, I don't know, for some reason, it was just really hard to like get to grips with this. Is now I'm talking like literally, we're, we're talking like five years ago, maybe, um, maybe six years ago. And so it was like, it was very unwieldy back in, back, uh, back then. And also, and pretty pricey. I'm like, ah, how about I just read with the dictionary in my hand and, you know, or, you know, option. Eh. They're, they're, yeah, yeah it was sure. kind of pricey. Still kind of pricey. Yeah. Still but, kind of pricey. Uh, yeah. I wrote a guide on how to, to use link because definitely they do not have a good like tutorial they don't onboard you very well which mm-hmm. is unfortunate but yeah with with esperanto uh because it's so regular you were able to take this conversational and then with esperanto again i guess like people want to talk to you in it yeah, Whereas yeah sometimes like, with yeah with natural languages people mm-hmm. are like you know, like you're you're in Texas, right? So like mm-hmm. if you're at a like, I don't know, like a a roadside stand getting some grub or something, they're working. Yeah. You know, they don't necessarily want to talk to you in Spanish or something, yeah. right? Especially if they got good English. Yeah. And it's, it's a little yeah. bit different. It's definitely a rule. Like if my Spanish is worse than your English, then we're just using English. Like they're going to kind of subconsciously force the conversation in English. 
and vice versa. You know, in in my case, it's like I basically only speak. I basically people I basically only speak Spanish if like you're just struggling with English, like you're trying to talk to me, you're just struggling. And sometimes I've had speakers get mad at me, like you know they were struggling, like uh they see you know see me and they're like uh eh, port port eh, port eh, eh. and I'm like uh quiero un porco con pollo por uh, con pollo por favor and it's like ah oh. it's like why did you just say that you know when the lady said like why didn't you say that before like you saw me trying to uh you know read it read it out in English for like the last two minutes but um but in, I would say definitely in Esperanto. They're very like everyone's just very like super excited to speak Esperanto. Like if, what? If you find somebody, it's like it's dope. Like when we when when you it's what is it? We have well, actually we have a word. It's called uh, crocodiling or crocodili, which is like speaking. It literally means speaking another language when Esperanto is more appropriate. So it's like yeah, like ne crocodilu means like don't crocodile, which means yeah, like I said, don't speak other languages when. You have two people that are fluent in Esperanto. Like it's more appropriate in this setting when I speak Esperanto, you know, especially if you don't have the same uh, native language. But yeah, so it's it's definitely a thing. And I will, especially when I was learning Esperanto, I was very aggressive, not in like a bad way, but just very aggressive when it or forward, uh, very forward about like speaking and interacting with people. Like I didn't want to read, I didn't want to write people, I didn't read forms really. I was just like, nah. You know, I want to voice chat. I want to party. You know, party. I want to party. Party in Esperanto. But I want to like Skype. I would Skype with like. Have you ever been to one of the the like the meetups that they do? See, I I you I, have I, to have been because you've been to yeah because you've got like books. Yeah, right? yeah. So I've been to my you, local you, meetup in 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 Texas in my city. Every, like most big cities have some kind of Esperanto meetup. Uh, like meetup every month. I haven't been since the pandemic. I used to go every month. Um, and I buy books. I buy books online. Like I had to go to, you know, I buy them from a bunch of, there's a, there's Europe. Esperanto stores or books, bookstores you can buy, but you get the greater, greatest variety. If you go to the congresses, cause they literally just have like an entire like storage house or closet of just full of books. That's never been like, you know, uh, put online or anything like that so yeah you definitely do that but i've never been to like a congress which is the international congress which is you have the greatest amount of people um as it's, it's somewhere around like 300 to 500 people they go um every year and you have the one for like the general congress and you have like the unulada congreso which is the, like the youth congress which is like you have to be like 35 or below um for that one and I have a bunch of friends that go there and that's actually, I wanted to always go because it would be cool. Just the thought of like being able to speak as for like all day, every day would be like so dope, you know, going the whole day without ever using English. That would be just, or the whole week without ever using English would just be like amazing. Um, so I've always wanted to go there, but I'll have a bunch of friends and I've also wanted to, that's where you also get tested for the CFR, CEFR, uh, your, your levels is you go, you have to go to one of like the official, conferences to uh take the actual test by like a uh a person you know that administers the test now isn't there also some sort of like um pasaporto program or something mm -hmm. yeah. where like if you're traveling you can stay with other esperanas mm -hmm. yeah i've never used it. it's called pasporto servo um or pasporta servo and um, it's basically just couch surfing, but with Esperanto specifically. And I think um, it's actually been around well before couch surfing. 
It was actually uh, at first like a letter, like you would, <laughs> it, you actually just sent like letters or emails. Um, and then it kind of, they actually developed a website for it. Um, and it's, it's really cool. Like a lot of people I've never had, I don't, I haven't really traveled. I barely left Texas. So I haven't had the opportunity to really use it. And I wouldn't really use it unless I was going like overseas or like just out of the country. Um, but I've definitely have, a P I know people and talk, talk with people who use it. And it's pretty much, it's cool. Like the benefit for the person is that they get to like host somebody that speaks Esperanto and then from a different place. So they can just pester them with questions and, you know, and a lot of times it's like families or like multiple people, like, there's been people who, um, who like, if you actually look into some of the stories of people who've used it, like, like in my case, my teacher, he actually used Pasporto Servo when he went to, I don't remember if it was France or Germany. And like, he was there and it's, it's way more friendly than just cow surfing. Like they literally let him use their car. Like they had a second car and he just let him use the car while he was just in Germany. So he was in, in, uh, sharing or getting a room for free. And he, they let him use their car. You know, he had fun. They, you know, they showed him around the city for like, you know, a couple weeks and it was, it was great. So it's like, that's always something I've definitely wanted to use just to, you know, just to be in there. So it's, that's, it's one of the, definitely one of the benefits. I think being an Esperantist inherently puts you in the in group with mm -hmm. other Esperantists. Whereas oh, like, not, we don't need, I don't need to know nothing else about you. Once I know mm -hmm. you speak of the phone, I'm like, all right, there, there's a general level, like, all right, you're weird like me. Like, that's cool. You know, let's chat. So what are some of the things that people ask you whenever they find out that you are an Esperantist? Uh, why? <laughs> why? Why? Like, why? You know? It's, I don't know, man. It's, it's one of those things, like, even with Spanish, like, I didn't learn it for any of the language, the two languages that I've learned is I didn't learn them for like noble, re, you know, valiant reasons. I want to, you know, pave away from my children and my dog. Like, nah, like I just, I just, I just love it. You know, I just like, I don't, I like, I like language learning, but I love the languages that I've learned. You know what I mean? Like I've, I kind of see languages, learning languages like marriage. So it's like, I'm very, very picky when it comes to starting it and you know i'm like ah, and i'm very apprehensive even when like a language i think i want to learn or i'm certain i want to learn i'm still very apprehensive about it up until like i finally was like all right you know will you marry me you know russian you know <laughs> or whatever but you know that's just kind of how it is so like when even when that's run it's just like i, I like the i love the fact that i can communicate in a way that's different than english you know like being growing up monolingual and not being aware of all the the nuances and the way we say things and the how you can communicate the same message, but with a completely different, you know, like vibe and that kind of thing. It's just, it's just, I'm kind of addicted to having that ability to just communicate and with other people and just have fun through a different, you know, through with a different lens basically. Yeah. And when, when you talk to other language learners about Esperanto, Sometimes there's a weird aversion to it. Hundred mm -hmm. uh, percent. There's some stigma against it and misconceptions. Uh, and what what are your reactions to some of those responses? Like like Esperanto, you know, and then they talk about I don't know maybe, maybe they speak illy of Zamenhof or they say it's too Eurocentric or they say you know any number of things. Yeah. Well, to that. I the, the thing is, when they're saying those things, they're not, like, wrong by any way, right? They're not, like, is it 
Well, is it too your is it Eurocentric? Yes. Is it too Eurocentric? I don't know. Like I happen to have a a, a friend, a Japanese salaryman, whose name is Tomai, who um he can read English quite well, can't speak English worth a lick, can't understand language, you know, like comprehend it. But mm-hmm. and he absolutely hates English because he had, to, you know, he was forced to do it, but he loves Esperanto, you know what I mean? Like, and I've even talked to him about it, like was Esperanto difficult? He was like, it, uh, it kind of, yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't nowhere near as difficult as English. Like, yeah, I still, you know, I still struggle with it, but you hear we're having, you know, we're talking about like the Japanese economy and Esperanto kind of thing, like, you know? Um, so to me, like a lot of things are true, like a lot of things you say, but like, that doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing. Like, it's got to be like the language got to be based in somewhere. Cause if we, like it, cause it, I don't know. It's, it's some ways where like, if you take it from too many different things, then it kind of, it kind of makes it hard. It kind of gets harder for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's, it's, it's the language has got to be based in something and based in somewhere. It's got to have a word based. It's not just, you know, so to facilitate any of you ask someone who's like a, like an, like a Chinese native or Japanese or Vietnamese or whatever. And you ask them, Esperanto is still miles easier than learning any other European language, you know, by far. So it's one of those things. And I, it gets to the point where I just love the quirks that it has and I just accept them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, is it, is it the prettiest language in the world? I think it, I think it's up there, but it's just cause I've, I mean, it know, sounds okay. I, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely don't mind to listen to it. Uh, there's you can, you a few. It's like it's like anchovies or something. I don't know, but I I, I personally like it. I didn't like it at first. Yeah, I actually thought Esperanto sounded very ugly in the beginning, but Esperanto music works. Esperanto music. Some works. some some quirks are a little bit annoying, especially like with my my mild background in Spanish, like mm-hmm. El Mundo. They would mm-hmm. say La Mondo, right? Like mm-hmm. it feels feels like there's like a disagreement in gender. There's not because that's yeah. just not how language how how Esperanto works. Yeah. Um, but they're like some oddities in it like what's the word to know c or something yeah yeah it's just a weird word it is that's the only gripe i probably if i did because i had when i first started learning it right i had like this list of like 10 things like i would change this now change that now change that and then and there's the more you learn the language the more you get like used and you just feel like the the words and what you're saying the more the more all those things like they make sense and they just go away in your head but C, that sound combination is the one thing that's like, ah, I could still do without C. Because, you know, the, the word for squirrel in Esperanto is stiuro. So it's stiuro. It, 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 it is not easy to say. <laughs> like, yeah, it's that, yeah. S-C-I-U-R-O. Yeah. Stiuro. Stiuro. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, not could, an uh, easy word to say. Yeah, and the, thing, the weird part is they have the jo like, uh, or no, the not the jo. They got the ho sound like echo, or like the mm-hmm. um, you know, like heap or no, no, that's not that. But yeah, like echo, that h with a hat makes like mm-hmm. sound. They've been phasing that out. Um, or just a lot. H. Yeah, with so there's a lot of so every word so like you have like echo and you have echo. You can use whichever one you want, but it's been slowly phasing that sound out. I'm like. I, they was like they phase that sound out because it's difficult. I'm like, and we still got the SC. Like, why <laughs> we're phasing that out and we still got this one? This is like, this is one's over there just chilling. You know, this is way worse. But it's it's things, but it's it's also just quirky. Like, I just kind of accept it and 
and just and and just kind of accepted with the with the with the warts and the 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 beautiful beautiful things and ugly things you know all this and all in the same thing it's kind of it has its charm it makes it unique in a way you know with the little idiosyncrasies and whatnot so I mean, it's a living language, right? Like uh, mm -hmm. yeah. there are a handful of natives and it's got a, a large population of non-natives, just mm -hmm. like English. And, um, you know, you can't go in there and change it, right? The the community wouldn't like it. They'd be like, this is just Esperanto. That's how it is. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, so yeah, you always have everybody that comes on the ground floor is always looking to change it. Like I said, I was doing the same thing, you know, because when you hear it's an artificial language, you're like, well, why do we do this? Well, why do we do that? Why do we do that? You know, or, but you don't, but it's, it's actually like, like I would say like a natural language, like, yes, yeah, maybe started out that way, but now it's been changing and it's been, you know, changing shape and forming, um, over time, over literally over a hundred years. Um, and so like, you don't just walk into Spanish, like, well, I want to change this, you know, or I want to, you know, it's just like, nah, you know, you respect it as a language and it is what it is. If you want to communicate with people, this is how you speak. You know, now there's words, there's people that bring in their own slang and their own tendencies from other languages, but, you know, like, so, you know, there's influences, like, so for example, Esperanto was greatly influenced by French when it was the, when it was like the dominant language, and now Esperanto is, is being influenced by, heavily by English, when now the English is what it is, so it's like, it's, it's getting affected by, you know, the, the international community one way or the other, you know, the, whatever the global lingua franca is in, in that particular point in time. So this, to me, it's, a, it's basically like a natural language at this point, because when I pick up, I can read like the very first Esperanto books, but they they sound to me very old timey, you know, like I can understand it, but it's just kind of it's like reading the Declaration of Independence or something, you know, it's kind of mm -hmm. it's a little off, but. You know, it's just it's just different usages and different things. So to me, it's just a natural language like anything else. But when I hear that that moniker of you know, Oxlang or or when well Oxlang uh, artificial language, then it's like oh no, that means I can change it, or that means you know it could be more efficient or whatever. But yeah, there's I don't know. Um, there's one descendant language of Esperanto that I quite like. I think oh, it's Ido. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little bit more naturalistic feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, Edo is, a, and it Edo feels more a like a romance language. language. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, Edo is a big meme in the Esperanto community, and there's there's a lot of there's actually a good amount of people that learn Edo, but you kind of like have to learn Esperanto then learn Edo because like all the learning material of Edo or a lot of them are learning material is in Esperanto. Um, but like like books and things like that of how to learn Edo. But it's it's just interesting because literally that's what they did with Edo was like they wanted to make it more romance based, even mm -hmm. more so than it already is. Cause because really like grammatically, it's not super. I thought I, when I first when I learned Esperanto and I was like, all right, I'm gonna learn Spanish, I thought Esperanto was pretty gonna be pretty close to Spanish. It really isn't grammatically. It's very. It, there's a lot of. If anything, it reminds it, me of Filipino. The Filipino yeah. and Indonesian. Yeah, it's agglutinative it with a lot of, with a lot of um, prefixes and suffixes, and mm -hmm. you know, um, when when you first came on to one of the after parties after the podcast on the Refill Central Discord server, and we started talking about it, and you were like, "Hey, there's this prefix that does this, and this prefix that does this," and I'm like, "Okay." Mm -hmm. This sounds an awful lot like an Austronesian language with, you <laughs> yeah. know, the, the, the suffixes and the prefixes, and you can just combine things. Um, 
And I will say that grammar-wise, I do not think Esperanto is very European-y. Uh, I think yeah. just a vocab. Yeah. Because grammar-wise, it, it feels an awful lot like Filipino based on what I've seen. And mm -hmm. I dabbled in it for all of a week. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I did dabble in it back when I had Link. I uh, found some ebooks and I uploaded them. And, uh, you know, it, it definitely feels like an Asian language grammatically, mm -hmm. at least Indonesian and Filipino. Yeah. Uh, but Edo, it's, it's sort of like with Edo, you know, like um, in Esperanto, the word for for what is it? The word for for cold is is like the opposite of hot, yeah. right? Malfrio. Or yeah, I hope I'm not just saying Spanish. Ma, no, I think that's I think it's mal mal, mal varmo, right? My bad. Yeah, I'm I'm just yeah. thinking Spanish. <laughs> and with um with Edo, they 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 borrow another Germanic word, they like kalta or something. Yeah. Um, so it's like from cold mm -hmm. and it's just very naturalistic, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like an ox language. If it's super easy for people to, to just, you know, who speak a natural language to pick yeah. up, um, that's kind of cool. I would say this though. So Edo kind of goes against what the contraula fundamental is like what people would say. Like, it, I don't mean that like strongly, it's just more so like, the the one of the big talking or one of the big points behind Esperanto is when you if you speak Esperanto well, it's not because you use this like super like verbose language or this super eloquent like rare words. You speak mm -hmm. your like ability to speak is how well can you simplify things and how well can you use like cr create your own words or create like rely on the already original Esperanto words that were like created. Or actually, the best way to say it is the less in individual roots you use, the better you speak in a way. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. if you use too many roots, like it's not like a dead rule. Like obviously this varies among people, but it's like bona estilo or like good style. If you use as few roots as you can and just rely on the word creation when you're um, speaking, it comes off as more like skill, you know, cause you're like just firing off like the, you know, kind of like that. You're kind of using, you're really flexing your experimental building when you're using that instead of just saying like just hospitalo or just adding an O at the end of, you know, cause you, cause you can do that. Like that's a part of the rules too, where if you don't know a word, you can take a, like an international sounding word and just add like Esperanto fight. And again, it just, it just sounds to me a lot like Filipino where you've got the word for um, medicine mm -hmm. is gamot. The word for okay. hospital is, uh, Pangamutan or something like that, like mm -hmm. place for uh for medicine, right? Yeah. Um and or you can just say hospital or hospital yeah. in English or Spanish and it'll 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 make sense. And yeah. The same way that um the same way that you know you have the the root words and the affixes. Mm -hmm. Uh I definitely think it sounds fancier in Filipino when you know and have good command over that fixes in the root word. It's, it's the same. Yeah, it's literally the exact same thing. Yeah. So it's like, so when people, because typically when you're a beginner, let's say you're a beginner and your native language is English or European based, you're going to, you're going to start, you're going to borrow a lot of like the speaking patterns and the structures from your native language. And so it's going to come off as a lot more verbose and a lot more wordy. Um, also, you're going to, you're going to tend to have a bias towards the roots that sound you know, closer to your native language. And so, but as you get better and 
better in Esperanto, you rely more on just the original Esperanto words for things. Because a lot of things have like original Esperanto word and like the loan root word, whatever. And so that's actually like, it's kind of like the opposite. The more, the less you got to rely on that, the more you can kind of get your speech where you say a lot of things with very few words, basically, is when you get to that mm-hmm. point where you kind of bend it enough and you actually say less, the better you get. Yeah, reminds me a lot about Filipino. Uh, the other day I was at the mall and I was having some pizza with some people. And um, I don't usually get out in the afternoon because I work third shift. So I'm usually in bed by this time. But I took a nap and I was like, okay, go get some pizza, walk around. And, um, you know, there's just multiple ways to say there are a lot of people. You can say there mm-hmm. are a lot of people, very similar mm-hmm. to English. Or you can say that it's very people <laughs> which is not like how, not very Englishy, but... It uses the the root for people and then an affix. Yeah. And it's a very native, very, I don't know, like you said, bonestilo, like good yeah. sounding yeah. Filipino. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? And I was thinking about that myself, just the playing with the roots and affixes and having mm-hmm. a good command. Yeah. I think it's very important in these agglutinative languages. Yeah. Yeah. Because I would say you could say this, you basically do the same thing in Esperanto. You could say, because like the word is like home plena. You could say like, estas home plena. Like literally homo is people plena full so it's full people is what you're saying and then or you could just say home plenas where you add estas and home plenas you just you turn home plenas into a verb and it's into it a means, verb yeah so you're, oh wow, and again that's that's plenas. how filipino functions um they use a lot of state of verbs mm-hmm. instead of using you know a copula like to be mm-hmm. so you know matao would be literally a state of verb kind of like an adjective that's a verb Mm-hmm. It means peopley. <laughs> it's very, very peopley. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're you're making me you're you're making me want to dabble in Esperanto again. I have no good reason to do it. I, I don't uh, look, Gorg, man. You are a man of many. Uh, I, I'm doing it to myself. No, I'm not gonna let you I, get my I, hopes up. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not gonna get your <laughs> hopes up. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna sidestep this and I'm gonna go back to Spanish. So okay, with Spanish. You were very listening heavy, but you've already said earlier on this podcast that you can read better in Spanish than Esperanto. My question to you is, as a person who like basically went and raw dogged anime in Spanish (laughs) and did tons of listening (laughs) and tons of listening, Uh do you Uh feel like your reading suffered for it? Uh, In a way, maybe, perhaps. I don't know so because technically I'm not the best at reading in both languages, I guess in that case. But I would say on generally my my okay, so like I would say my my vocabulary perhaps because I'm certain that like people who read more have a much much more holistic uh or more rounded out vocabulary than I do. Um but my list I can read quite fluently though, just because I for pronunciation practice, I would read out loud a lot. Um and so I would say about 85%, I think that's the ratio of my 85% listening, whatever the uh, percent uh, speaking, I mean, reading. And so I'm, I'm sure it has an effect, but it, the thing is, it's so easy to catch up with reading, like even because I went the first six months without reading, like even looking up, looking at a single word in Spanish. And then once I started reading, it was just like, it was kind of really rough and kind of clumsy at first and then after like like the second day it was just like i was reading fluently like oh wow okay this is you know like so i'm sure it definitely i think i think the biggest impact it has on my vocabulary 100 percent 
And I've seen that before as well with um, in the community. Do you know Mr. Baron? The beast himself, yes. The beast himself. Uh, he's apparently quite good sounding. His accent's really good. Yeah, he sounds really. Uh, he sounds great. And he he also took a very listening heavy approach, but his vocabulary is quite weak at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that seems to be a common Anki, thread. Though. I shouldn't mention that. I also don't do the Anki. So I haven't did Anki since like the first year and a half of okay. uh, learning. I got, I just, I just got to take hockey, like vocab, all that kind of like skill building kind of things. It just got, I got, I kind of burnt that stuff out of me with the beginning Esperanto and the, um, uh, not fun. people don't want to do it. Well, most, thing, well, most people don't want to do it. Yeah. Some people, a subset of people, they really like hockey. Yeah. Like it must do something to their dopamine or something yeah, where they're like, like that video game, that MMORPG kind of, uh, lights go off. Yeah. Because well, me, the thing is, what so I had went through a period with Esperanto where I was so tired of my vocabulary being so limited. And so I downloaded, I was like, all right, I need to get my vocab up. So, and then, so I'm at Virgin Pan, I was like, well, thing. So, Anki, okay. Well, I didn't send this one or anything like that because that would, would have been the responsible thing to do. I downloaded like a 4K deck of Esperanto words and okay. was just, just, just grinded that out. And, halfway through the thing is as i was using it i kind of realized like as i was getting better in like esperanto i kind of realized that someone just ran this thing through like a just a translator just a google translate basically and just so half so like not half but a good chunk of the definitions were like poor translations so yeah like one word was meant one word was e or eveno or evena which is like and well, it was Ebena, which is the word which it had a picture of an airplane. I was like, okay, so it means a plane. Cool, cool, cool. And then as I get like better and better, I find that like Ebena actually means like plane, like the surface, like flat. <laughs> it doesn't mean like an airplane. So I had so I so that made me paranoid. I was like, oh, so I went back and was like, so as I'm immersing with Anki, I'm also checking the validity of the cards I'm using. And uh, yeah, I'm over that. I I was so sick of Anki after that. I'm like, I'm good. And I somehow finished it. The the masochist didn't finish it. And it worked. My vocabulary in this in this run got very good, but like at what cost? You know? It sounds to me like you would benefit from reading more in Esperanto. Yeah. Is there a 100%. reason why you haven't done that? It just the thing is, I like the idea of reading. I have a crap ton uh well, I said like 30, like original books and like translated books. It's just and I like the idea of reading in Esperanto. It's just, it's so far from like the goals I originally set for Esperanto where like, you know, like, cause I still chat with my uh, buddies, like most of the time, you know, usually once or twice every couple of weeks. Um, we chat for like two or three hours uh, each session, each time. And that was just my original goal. So it's kind of hard for my brain to like, okay, I'm reading. This is cool. It's a good story, but man, like I could just like call my buddy on discord right now. I see he's on, you know, like it's just, it's just hard. Like I just love chatting with people in, um, in Esperanto. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, I'm a one day, Gork, one day, dog. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a read. It's and it's sad because I've literally read more in Spanish. Like it's, but from the beginning, I was like, all right, I'm a, I'm a read. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna be well around. You know, it was like in line with the mm -hmm. goals I had for Spanish. So it's, I don't know. I'm just being weird, probably. Yeah, I'm. I mean, again, I do not know too much about the original content, but 
it can't be worse than what bad some of the stuff that i've read in in spanish and filipino uh-huh. like internet fiction fan fiction type stuff it's actually and pretty there's, good there's a few writers um that i like i even know just by name just because i hear their name you know the explorer community is like here so it's like mm-hmm. i know about a bunch of prominent writers just from just from that you know and so no it's actually not actually like the couple books or the I say one book, but it was really two like 80 page books. So I just kind of clumped that into one book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a one was a short like or then there was like a thing of like short stories. There was like a bilingual kind of thing that I used one time. But out of those two books, they were like crime. Uh, it's like a little crime series. Like so they're meant to be short and sweet for people that are like it's not learning material, but it's meant to be, you know, like there's a bunch of them. So it's meant to be like a little series. And um it's re- it's really well written. That's where I actually really got respect for like how well because okay, let me let me start back. I thought, you know, I'm I'm fairly I got very fluent in Esperanto and I speak the way I speak and that's cool, but <clears throat> I read a book. It's called La Bona Lingua, which is literally the good language. And mm-hmm. it teaches you, it's about 50 pages. I think you can get it in English or in Esperanto. I got it in Esperanto and I was reading it. And it was basically teaching you or telling you what is like good style in Esperanto, like how to how far you can really take the language in terms of expressions and or expressing expressive ability and creativity. And that book completely opened my eyes and I realized that I was basically speaking English with an Esperanto kind of coat, you know what I mean? And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh so then like i started like that open mind to that so then i read those two books to see okay these are very prominent writers how do they write and it was like whoa okay this is in this is the structure is nowhere near english like it's completely you know i mean some some you know there's a lot of similarities but there's a lot of that are that it's like you wouldn't be able to translate that well in english or you wouldn't that wouldn't really work and i understand it clearly it's like whoa so that's kind of how it was where it's just that open mind. So, so that's why I read that to begin with, read those books to really kind of see what it was. But once I kind of got that, it was like, all right, job done. Now I'm uh, implementing my speaking in which I did, but it's hard for me to like, all right, I want to sit down and I want to read a book. Even though I can comfortably read a book, it's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I understand. Uh, would you consider yourself a reader at all, like in English either? I treated, I, I wouldn't consider myself an avid reader. Like, I see it as another form of entertainment. So if I'm, I got read, but like, it's not like a daily thing. It's like, is there, it's really just, is there a story that I want to consume? Like, like it's like TV or whatever. Cause you know, there's some, there's a lot of times where the book is just better, right. Then the, you know, it's a better medium to, to, to tell that story than the show or whatever. So a lot of times I end up reading stuff when I I find out the book, is way better than I'll, and I'm like, oh, shoot, yeah, it was, you know, but um, I wouldn't say consider myself an avid reader, but I do like to read if I, if I get me a, a good book. All right. And we are nearing the end of the podcast, but before we go, right. I do have a question for you. And what advice would you give out to some, to, to somebody starting to learn a language or even starting to learn Esperanto or Spanish? Or, or, or Esperanto, you know, we can just say Esperanto. Or Esperanto, we'll go with Esperanto. <laughs> you, you're more passionate about it. Um, I would say, if I had to give one advice to someone that's learning a language, I would say, 
don't language learning is not like in most subjects, right? There's no, there's honestly no basics. There's no, in terms of what you learn, you learn it when you learn it. Like you can learn the basics or usually the basics are the most complicated thing to get, to get the hang of. You might not get to grips with the basics until like a year and a half in. Right. So there's no real basics and there's no real advance. There's just you get it when you can get it and don't beat yourself up if you don't got the basics. It's just a normal part of it. You know, it'll it just takes some time to slowly sink in because, you know, so I would say there's no level one through 50. There's level one. There's not even levels. It's just it's like you're in a field and, you know, just just apples everywhere. You just I don't know. You just grab what you can grab. And if it's too heavy, then or too far, too high, too high up in the tree, then just worry about it to when you, you know, you you level up your crafting and you can craft a ladder. And I don't know, this is this is analogy is, I'm, is completely failing, but hopefully it makes some some semblance of sense where, you know, there's no levels. Just don't beat yourself up. Just treat it as get your reps in. Getting you're giving your reps, getting your reps is very important, and just take it, you know, one not level step at a time, and just kind of. Just wander around a bit, and you'll you'll figure it out. Oh, that was terrible advice. I don't even know why you asked me that, Gork. You you, you set me up. You set me up. You it was. It no, was I, a, think, I think I think the takeaway I think the takeaway there was uh, don't beat yourself up, and you, you touched on what Matt calls persistent puzzles, things mm-hmm. that quote unquote should be simple or basic that are actually mm-hmm. quite difficult. Yeah. So the takeaway there, guys, is when you jump into a language, don't beat yourself up. Do your reps, go to the gym daily, basically, and you'll yeah. get there. Yeah. And basic, there, there are no basic. Basics don't exist. It's just, it's just the easiest thing that they can conceptually tell you, teach you without you getting confused at that moment. But it doesn't mean it's easy. Just because it's simple to explain doesn't mean it's easy. I would agree. I think uh, sometimes if you ever look at like a frequency dictionary or something, the mm-hmm. most frequent words are the ones that are the hardest to use. Right. You know, prepositions or grammar words that mm-hmm. that have a lot of different meanings depending on what they're like doing. Cases, whatever, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, like the basics are not so like basic. Just terrible. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. not as a terrible word. Jivar or no, not jivar. But there's a bunch of words like that. They're like, oh, I should have known this, and I, I, I'm reading a book or watching a show, and they use in a use I've never seen before. My God, and I look up. I'm like, you look it up. I'm like, oh, sure enough, wow. It's like it's like definition number twelve. <laughs> okay, who would have knew? Yeah, that's really common with the basic words, quote unquote basic. Basic. Mm. I'll put it in square, yeah, scare quotes. Basic. <laughs> Big air quotes. Basic. All right. Well, that wraps us up. I think that's a good natural starting point. And guys, I will see you again next week. Learn Esperanto. Learn Esperanto if you want to. I'm not forcing you, but I'm forcing you. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Refold Podcast. If you're watching the live premiere, you're in luck. Right as it ends, we have an after party over on the Refold Central Discord server. Come join us by using refold.link forward slash join to chat about the episode. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to hear more, you can find older episodes to listen to on YouTube and Spotify. Let us know what you thought about the video by liking and leaving a comment below. Do you have suggestions for upcoming visitors or requests for particular topics? Please feel free to reach out to me on Discord at georgepig hashtag 5413 or via email at clayton at refold.la. 
Thank you all for watching and or listening, and I'll see you next week.